speed of a red line jackal it's tyrants on the field welcome back as always i'm joe brand new year and brand new update uh the 2024 update for war machines and hordes has released as well as the new steamroller uh sr 2024 uh and it released and then we had a, a slight tweak to it afterwards to help clarify some additional language uh this week so it has been about a week since the update, and I have sort of gathered my thoughts on it. I have, uh, I know a lot of other cast had jumped on, jumped on all of this a bit earlier, so I don't want to rehash a bunch of their points. I want to make a bunch of my own, and uh, sort of take the game's temperature as we wander into tournament season, as LVO is kicking off here uh, shortly. And good luck to all those who are attending. And then Captain Khan uh, will follow shortly, shortly after. Uh, and that is going to be an absolute monster of a uh, monster of an event. Uh, I think it grew, it sold out four times on the War Machine side and ended up growing to a 48-person uh, event for the main event. Uh, so super exciting there. Uh, War Machine is in a great spot post-update as we continue to uh, rebuild the community from COVID, rebuild from the uh, initial shocks of Mark IV coming into the water. Um, so hopefully uh, that is a rising tide in your area as well. I know in southeastern Michigan where I'm located, uh, we are going strong. We're working to try and uh, build up the Ohio meta as well so that we can really have a strong Great Lake, Great Lakes regional presence uh, across the board and get some uh, some store wars going again. Uh, so a lot of fun things in uh, in what's happened and in, in what's been happening. Uh, it is a amazing time for the game once we have sort of a, a reboot uh, in it. And so the updates are are interesting. Um, this was definitely not the Fapocalypse. Uh, if anybody was hoping for it to be the Fapocalypse, I, I don't think you were in the right headspace. Uh, those type of updates from a general design standpoint are, are not where you want to be. Um, generally, that means, one, you haven't been curating the game properly for a long time. Uh, two... It means that your levers uh, by which you can control things um, have not been exercised routinely enough. And this update was also not small by, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I, can, I can definitely appreciate and agree to points with arguments that uh, there was not enough done on certain factions or that having a, an arbitrary cap uh, is arbitrary and, and probably shouldn't have been um, in place. I can hear those and I, I will counterpoint with this from a designer's perspective. And again, I don't design for Privateer Press, but I have designed for other games uh, in the past and been involved in other um, processes. 
what I can tell you is anytime you change a variable in an ecosystem and a miniature game in many respects is an ecosystem, there are long ripples to those changes that seem very benign, uh, at least on the surface. So something as simple as a points cost adjustment has ripples within the its own faction, its own selection process. So on, on a first level thought with it, yes. Um, let's talk about barragers. Barragers went down uh, a point. They went from 10 points to 9 points. So cool. They, they went down a point. They're, they're a little cheaper. They felt a little expensive. But why did they feel a little expensive? Well, they felt a little expensive because for 10 points, you get a full unit and banner of strike reavers, uh, which are the gunned reavers with the shields. Now I can have either of those options for the same nine point slot. And then it becomes a question of which is more valuable. And that value is determined by other choices that I make within a list, but also the steamroller document that has come out. Because the steamroller document definitely feels like you want units that can stay in a place or move slightly with an objective and still be able to project power downfield, even better if they can actually do some work uh, downfield. So ranged units have a little bit more premium to them. And so then it becomes which of these two units is going to be generally more survivable, which is going to generally do uh, more work into its competition, which of which of the rule setups do I want? And it becomes a real choice. And then this tweak in the context of steamroller changing radically really create an environment um, in which that singular points cost does have an effect on everything. So now it also affects the value of strike reavers because strike reavers now have competition in the nine point slot in Orgoth where they did not before. And so how does that affect our general list build and our general list build concept? And it's like that in, in a lot of other factions. So when you're looking at these changes, yes, we can look at the changes in a vacuum and um, evaluate the relative strength of pieces uh, within the faction, but we have to get the larger context of what changed in SR 2024 and how do those changes affect the game as a whole, affect our list build, and affect really the tiering of power. Because I think right now, so my, my gut reaction to the update is Dusk is a huge winner. Uh, a couple of reasons why. Dusk is a faction with a extremely high skill ceiling and was prior to the update. The update has taken a, a lot of the things that were problematic in Dusk and were relatively limiting factors and eliminated them. Uh, the, the real big one to me is the additional wounds uh, across the board on the undead units. 
So the Dreadguard, Archers, uh, the Cav, and the uh, the Slayers all going to eight wounds is is huge. You've got um, you know forty percent wound increase on these units. A little bit of a points bump in a few places. You have an extra rat on the archers. These changes, again, in the context of Steamroller 2024, are massive. And uh, they upped the Eliodon's base mat to 7. So what does that do? Again, in the context of list building, and, and also bearing the lead a little bit. Um, well, it has massive changes on list building. I, I now want a diversity of these Slayer units, or of these Dreadguard units. Slayers become much more viable at eight wounds. They can actually deliver. Uh, the Eliodon becomes a real choice uh, because it doesn't have uh, the propensity to miss nearly as much. And Mark IV is very much a world of new factions have mat 7 heavies. And if they don't have a mat 7 heavy, um, everybody loses their mind. Uh, so, and I get it. The the Eliodon's punch was never quite uh, the, way it, the way it felt intended. I think there are some things in that faction that got overlooked because of the complexity within it, the skill ceiling within it, um, the fact that they were late to the table uh, in terms of release, uh, so that enough people didn't get enough reps in uh, with them in a, in a competitive setting. I think you're going to see them everywhere. Uh, I also think you're going to see Orgoth everywhere. Uh, Orgoth, this update, took a couple nerfs, got a couple buff, got a couple buffs, but SR 2024 is a packet that is very favorable to Orgoff's primary use case, um, particularly with her Uh The fact that the, the packet wants you to get in the mix, get in the mix quickly, um, dominate an area, force you to chew through things, uh, these, are all, these are all things that Orgoth wants to be doing anyway. And uh, it, the packet really plays well into the Orgoth style. So as a tyrant, I, I'm quite uh, I'm quite happy um, with SR 2024. Uh, the other big thing that has changed that is a massive update to the game um, is previously uh, there was a very simple and quaint logic to list building that basically dictated. Uh, you need one war machine, or one cohort model at 50 points, two cohort models at 75 points, three cohort models at 100 points. That restriction was evaluated throughout the year, and the general determination was made by the dev team that not all cohort models are equal. There is not a way to actively make all of the cohort models equal within factions without diluting the game and, and making it non-diverse and non-interesting. So the best thing that they can do in context of list diversity and playing to strengths and understanding that each unit and each cohort model 
needs to be able to, to fill a role uh, in its own way uh, and fill a role with an army in its own way without that um, much of a burden to the player uh, is that a single cohort model that is not less that is non-lesser uh, is all that is required at any points level to play. So uh, what does that mean? Well, that means at 100 points, you're only required to take one cohort model uh, that's non-lesser. At 75 points, you're only required to take one cohort model um, that's non-lesser. And at 50, you're only required to take one cohort model that's non-lesser. Uh, a massive change, a, a big bump to uh, folks that wanted to run Colossals, um, freeze things up quite a bit. Uh, I think it is a slight punishment to hordes, uh, mostly because hordes will not be taking advantage of it, simply because of the nature of how hordes work. They want multiple war beasts, generally, uh, in the list so that they can keep their fury, fury going and focused. Um, for focused lists, uh, I think some people are not going to change um, their cohort list very much. Others, it's going to be a radical change, and, and you're going to see people take advantage of it. I know for myself, I'm experimenting heavily in, uh, in infantry-heavy lists. Uh, I know when I've been playing around in Dusk, uh, I'm running very Jack Light, very Eliadon Light. Uh, just, the nature of the, just the nature of the beast when we're, we're talking here about um, this type of change. You're going to make that change. Um, for me, aesthetically, I really enjoyed... Uh, the three cohort model requirement at 100. Uh, I thought it meant that cohorts were very meaningful to the game, um, very meaningful uh, part of the game, and were something that we really should be doing more of. Uh, so moving to this restriction, or moving away from that restriction, I understand. I understand it from a, a health of the game standpoint. I, I do think it's the right direction, ultimately even if it's not my personal aesthetic choice. Uh, but I would rather have a healthy and diverse metagame uh, versus having the arbitrary restriction. What I want to make sure is that this actually creates a healthy and diverse metagame and doesn't plunge us back into the drolls of Infantry Machine because I think that there is a propensity in SR 2024 to want to field a lot of infantry anyway. And this just fuels into that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, as we as we evolve here and, and get into the packet, uh, you know what what all this looks like and, and means in the larger context of competitive play. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the Orgoth changes a little more in depth. We we've talked about a few of them. Um, the old Kerber Rogers went up to speed six. Uh, and then a point reduction of nine. The speed six is huge, um, particularly in the context of SR 2024. Um, the speed five, they had stumpy legs. They were behind the army at speed six. They keep up with the army. Uh, with the, the fact that SR 2024 is probably, and the, the uh, composition changes are probably going to mean more infantry on the field. These guys' value goes up a bit. Um, so there's something that I'm testing out in a, in a couple lists. Um, additionally, uh, the Tyrant. The Tyrant saw a couple of changes 
Um, the hunter head went up to cost three uh, from cost two. Uh, they increased the pow of the melee on the harpoon to 14, which is a huge change. Uh, really makes that weapon more attractive uh, in the grand context of the uh, of the army. And uh, a big one here is they reduced the power of the quad bolt thrower from 13 to 12. Um, so the quad bolt thrower is a volume fire gun. Uh, it's really where a lot of the power in Orgoth was uh, derived in the previous steamroller document. The ability to field two of these titans. Uh, for right, for about 16 points each, uh, and then have the ability to throw uh, combined 2d3 plus uh, plus two uh, shots down the field every turn with volume fire. Uh, meaning on large base models they were POW 15. Now they're going to be POW 14. They'll be on par um, with the volume fire that you see in Kador. Uh, which is good, don't get me wrong, but the, the the jump from 14 to 15 on the curve in terms of what it means from a, a damage standpoint is significant. Um, so I think this is driving a lot of the changes in Orgoth list design um, away from some of these tyrants in, uh, in terms of the shooty tyrants. I still think you'll see some. Um, the quad bolt thrower is not bad by any means. Don't, don't take that as... as um, it being bad, uh, but it is a, it is a correction that is uh, going to be something that we account for uh, as we list build. Um, interesting change here, and really the change is less to the model and more to the fact that there is a new command card that was created, um, which is the Siege Terrasse. So the Siege Terrasse got two buffs um, on its stat card and then got the, the largest buff it possibly could have. Uh, in the form of grave robbers. Um, so what it, where it changes, it changes is speed 6 and rat 6. So it goes up a speed from 5 to 6, goes up a rat from 5 to 6. Uh, two big changes here. Um, those those are, are far more helpful uh, than one would think, particularly in the context of this beast. Uh, but the big, big change is... Grave Robbers existing, and what Grave Robbers is is a card that's free uh, that allows you to give this um, give this give this Siege Tarrasque a uh, Rage Token, uh, and so it it gets its first Rage Token. You can move up, you can get Mortal Fear up and on the army, um, which increases its value significantly. Uh, and then it's really able to perform for you as a as a piece, as it sort of was intended as a centerpiece model, um, as a focal point of the army. Uh, I I am very very high on the the changes to the Trask. It's been testing exceedingly well for me thus far. I look forward to playing it more. Um, Sabrath Sabrath took uh, well not just Sabrath but every model that has Perdition um, took a change. Uh, and that change is Perdition is now Advance 5 directly toward the enemy model instead of making a full advance. Um, so this does a couple things. One, it eliminates any stacking of speed buffs uh, or speed debuffs. That's something to keep in mind. It's now just a flat 5. It is also directly towards now, not towards. So some of the silliness that we were able to do previously is gone. Still going to be a good spell for setting certain things up. Uh, not going to be our primary spell. 
um, by any means with, with Sabbath anymore. Um, if it was for you, um, she's still going to trade incredibly efficiently. She still has one of the best feats in the game. Uh, being able to play her spell rack without using focus, it's a, it's a huge ability. Um, she's still a very, very good caster because Crippling Grasp is still Crippling Grasp. And uh, you can do a lot with it. Uh, Reaver Skirmisher's got a little bit of a buff. Um, very welcome changes. They gain Blessed and Prowl. I have no idea why they have Blessed. I'm glad they have it. Um, Prowl is the big change here, as they are an ambushing unit. Ambush, to me, is huge in the SR2024 packet. Uh, so this is a massive increase to their power, because they can jump into terrain um, and become stealthed, which really ups uh, their general survivability. And their, their damage output is just fantastic, uh, as long as they can get delivered, and now they have a, a method of delivery. So, very exciting. Um, another one of our casters changed, Kishtar, the Howling Silence. She got some massive revamps, uh, which were very welcome. Um, she got an increase to her number of attacks. So her Death Whisperer and her Blade Strikes are now uh, Rate of Fire 2, or times 2. Or, sorry, they're times two. Uh, they've removed reload, which is excellent. Um, just having base four attacks to range to uh, melee is absolutely huge for her. Uh, additionally, she has ricochet, so really it can be six attacks um, if you don't kill the initial target uh, on the, uh, the Death Whisperers. So excellent there. She gets Pathfinder, she gets Prowl. Those two changes are massive for her usefulness and survivability. The other one for her usefulness and survivability is increasing her control to 12. Huge. Absolutely huge. Um, the control 12 is uh, one of the most powerful changes on her card. Now for that, she does give up a little bit of her feet, but the feet gets better. Um, with the with the reduction. So her feat goes from roll two additional dice on attack and damage rolls and drop the lowest to add one additional die on attack and damage rolls, drop the lowest, but it also grants reposition three to her entire battle group. So her ability to output with the signs importance and then have the battle group uh, repo to safety or repo into a contesting position um, really uh, ups, ups her viability as a uh, leader. Uh, I like all of the changes with her. She's somebody I'm interested in getting on the table and getting some reps in with, uh, more so than I've been previously. Um, so I think Kishtar becomes um, at least a viable option now where I, I didn't feel she was as viable in uh, in her previous iteration from a tournament standpoint, but now I think I think you'll see a team at WTC uh, based on these changes with uh, two Orgoth players. Um, with the fact they're getting an Apotheosis caster and they're also getting the the caster in the uh, in the cadre, um, and I think Kishtar is going to end up being one of the one of the casters in the pairing uh, with. Either one of those, or um, either Sabs or, or Harusk, depending on how how that match plays out. Because um, there's some arguments of, of how you stack those uh, if you're running two Orgoth. Additionally, big changes to the Jackal. Um, 
The Jackal was one of the most cost-effective arc nodes in the game at five points. Uh, they have upped the arc node head from one to two. Um, this is a fair nerf. It uh, it hurts a little bit, um, but the Jackal at five was uh, with with an arc node was uh, the best value in the game. Uh, now we just have a Jackal at five with Bloodlust, which is still one of the best values in the game. So be interesting to see um, if some of those arc node uh, jackals that folks were running become bloodthirster jackals, or uh, they cut a point elsewhere. So, be interesting to see uh, how it goes. I, I, I think Orgoth is a, a very strong contender for for best chain, uh, best uh, combination of nerfs and buffs, um, and really sort of a model of what you would want to see for a faction generally. Um, felt they they came out pretty good um let's talk uh, winter core uh winter core is an interesting faction in that it felt close um it's felt close all year um i know it did better early in the year versus later in the year uh i think it has a lot of tools to be very relevant in the upcoming uh upcoming meta in sr 2024 uh, I think a lot of what it wants to do, um, SR2024 wants it to do. Uh, in terms of armies are going to be closer. You're not going to be able to hang back nearly as much. You're going to be able to put firepower into a into a compact space. You have relatively inexpensive infantry now with, with one of the changes that lets you spread out and be very wide, uh, which is what a lot of these scenarios call for. Uh, you're able to project power pretty well, and uh, the changes to Winter Core are pretty pretty interesting. So let's let's go through them real quick. So big one here, uh, Poussance goes back to the way that it was originally intended, uh, which was Poussance becomes target model unit um, before it was just single model, uh, and uh, it really should have always been model unit. Glad it's back to model unit. Uh, having a having a strength buff or melee damage buff is is huge for the faction, uh, particularly on the unit side. Direwolf sees a couple of small tweaks. The evasive head goes down to cost one, uh, so that it becomes a choice between the evasive head and the shield guard head. Um, the flame fist goes down a point from five to to four. Uh, with that, the flamethrower goes from on it goes from range eight to uh, spray six. Um, be interesting to see what these what these tweaks end up um, being on the battlefield. Uh, the flame fist is more attractive at four. Uh, again, it becomes a, a question of that or the shield um, for that same points cost. So it. It becomes a little interesting. I am higher on the heavy uh, chain gun. Generally, if I'm running direwolves uh, or the shield, um, those tend to be the two flavors of ice cream that I like best with it. So we'll see how it goes. Um, change to the spell rock wall. Um, this affects all rock walls, uh, but in in uh, winter core, it affects uh, Valari. Um, so the Rockwell template placed by the Rockwell spell is removed from the table if it is contacted by a model with an extra large or huge base. Um, so you can't use the spell to block them out. Um, 
essentially now any any of the wall templates um, are removed if they get hit by a, an extra large or huge based uh, model. So good change, um, keeps the battlefield uh, dynamic, uh, lets uh, people that are bringing the big stompy stuff uh, bring the big stompy stuff without it being trivially um, hindered by a, uh, by a, a spooky wall. MetaVista gets a little bit of a wording tweak. Um, it adds, even if it charged that activation, the last sentence of chain attack, grab and smash um, to correct an unintentional rules um, interaction. Mortar team goes up to rat six. I still don't think they get play. Um, again, three points for one POW 14 is not the AOE. It's not the... Uh, the most thrilling thing in the world um, in uh, in Kador, but we'll see. Maybe maybe it becomes a thing. Um, the Stormtrooper Gunners get a huge change. Um, this is my favorite change in the entirety of the faction, uh, besides Poussants. Um, they go from Spray 10 to Spray 8, but they increase their rate of fire from 1 to 2. Uh, they get the addition of both barrels, and for those that don't know, both barrels allows you to forfeit the two shots. Just get one shot, but get plus four uh, to the damage of the weapon. Uh, and then they cut dual shot. <coughs> uh, these guys now have a have a, an ability with the both barrels to... Again, some, under somebody like Valari, uh, they can be POW-19. Three POW-19s into, into something is significant. Um, it's a unit with reposition. Um, it's a unit that is multi-wound. Uh, it is a unit that can be pretty mobile and, and fire. Uh, also combined with the, the change that's coming up here, which is the Winter Corps um, Infantry, they complement it pretty well. Winter Corps Infantry um, now are always speed 6. Uh, well, they, they increase their speed to speed 6. The encumbered rule is, is completely removed, uh, and they go from points cost 7 to points cost 6. Um, so this is a pretty significant change here. Um, so now with a standard, they're going to cost 7, uh, where before they cost 8. Um, that means these guys are in the conversation to start bringing... Um, I think with SR2024 being as wise as it is, uh, this is definitely something that we need to need to be considering and thinking about from that perspective. And then uh, we have our Winter Corps officer. Uh, he has uh, a points cost reduction from three to two. Winter Corps officer was one of the best models in the faction, and it just got cheaper. So yeah, I all all on board with this change. Uh, so yeah, I, I think these are great changes for Winter Corps. Um, be interesting to see how it plays out. I think their their cadre is going to really um, up their ability to play uh, with the big boys uh, in many respects. The Poussin's change is huge. Um, some of these some of these changes, like the Shock Trooper Gunners, I think you're going to see a bunch of them on the table uh, once people catch on that this is. Pretty good value for seven points. Um, 
and I, th I think you're going to see winter core on the table. Um, you may not see the banners with them. They, you may just want to keep them cheap um, and uh, take advantage of uh, the additional volume fire guns, um, which is not uh, not a terrible route to go uh, for, for, from a personal standpoint. I think that's that's something that can be uh, be done pretty well. Uh, and last thing I'll go over a little bit is the the dust changes again because I've I've talked so heavily about them. Um, Dreadguard archers go to Rat Seven. They increase their points cost from eight to nine. Uh, and they see an increase in boxes to eight. Um, the Dreadguard Cav uh, increase boxes to eight. Their cost goes up two to cost twelve. Uh, they're a very strong unit. Uh, going to eight boxes with them is an incredibly strong change. And I think this does also open up additional list building uh, where it's not just automatically double cats. Although I'm having a hard time not making a double cat list, even at 24 points for that module. They're, they're really darn good, especially at eight boxes. Um, the Dreadguard Slayers, they do not see a point increase. They stay at a sultry seven uh, and increase their damage boxes to eight. Uh, the LED on goes to mat nine. Uh, the gas gets a variety of changes. Uh, the biggest one for some people is they eliminated the power field head. Uh, that goes to cost one and becomes a reposition two head uh, in terms of the ability. So power field is gone. Uh, the only model in the faction that has it is Izzy. Uh, so I'm a little bit sad about that. I was I was a latecomer to power field ghasts and they were annoying. Um, but I will find something else to annoy people with in this faction. Um, aggressive has been added to the special world of the fleet head. That's a pretty significant change because that gives a free charge to the gas that are fleet. Um, so these models that with the fleet head, with that type of build, you wanted to get them into the action anyway. So now to be able to do that for free, run a charge for free, pretty significant. Um, addition there. I, I like that change. Uh, additionally, there was a change to the POW on the Blaster Fist weapon um, to 10, but its rate of fire was increased to 2. Uh, previously, that was, a, that was a hand cannon. It was POW 12. Um, so now it goes down to 10, but we get an additional shot with it. Uh, Shadowbind was... Crit Shadowbind was added to the Force Leash uh, and an increase on the POWs uh, Spear Fist, Rune Spear Weapon to 11. Um, so a bunch of changes on the gas. They're trying to make that a more attractive package. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I still think the best thing you can do with them is just run a cheap arc node for the, the one or two casters that really want one. Um, or if you've got some specific plays in mind um, to do so. Uh, Sarafel. Um, the brand new caster, the Apotheosis caster, uh, saw a slight tweak to her feet wording to try to make it a little more um, understandable. Um, so enemy models that advance and their movement in or are placed in Scarfell's control range and are closer to her than they began suffer an unboostable POW 10 magic damage roll. Models that are damaged by the roll become knocked down. Models that are not damaged by the roll are pushed D3 away uh, from Scarfell. Strifel in the order you choose. Uh, so again, that is the order uh, that Strifel chooses. And then Ironstorm lasts for one round. 
that was to alt to add clarity or feet. Two of the most underrated changes uh, in the faction. The Seeker Warden uh, goes from Spell Ward to Sacred Ward, meaning they can now be affected by spells in uh, in faction. Uh, but it's not enemy spells. They can and then so the Solus Blade Masters, who were spell warded as well, also gained Sacred Ward. Uh, so now you can bloodlust your uh, your Blade Masters, uh, which is huge. Uh, you can mirage them. You can you can do all the fun stuff with the Blade Masters now. So I think you're going to see Blade Masters see an uptick in play. I think you're going to see that anyway because of the ambush. Uh, but all these things mean Blade Masters are probably a great investment for you. Uh, another really sneaky change here that I like is the Void Shaper went up to Rat 7. Uh, this gives you a slightly more reliable way to uh, Shadowbind things because his gun is auto Shadowbind, provided that it hits. Uh, and being Rat 7 uh, is pretty good. The, the difficulty is he does have Ancillary Attack for Jack, on him, so it's always that that choice um, that you're kind of making. But if you needed to uh, increase your ability to hit, um, that is definitely a way you can do it. Uh, so things to consider and things to think about uh, with the changes. So let's talk a bit about SR 2024. A lot has been said around it. Uh, we have six new missions. Uh, three of which are, are essentially what was in the preview. There's not really any significant changes from uh, how recon was in the in the packet, uh, how battle lines was in the packet, and how uh, wolves at our heels was in the the preview packet. Uh, there are a few things to note uh, on wolves. I think wolves is the one that is going to be the most hated because it has the most oddball stuff going on uh, in terms of the, the collapsing uh, kill box. The collapsing kill box is something that we haven't seen before. Um, most of the other things in this packet we have some type of corollary for, generally. Uh, the the collapsing kill box is, is something we haven't seen in in Steamroller, frankly, ever. Um, so it's something that people are going to miss. Uh, it's something that, that folks are going to have a hard time with. Additionally, this has um, a scoring bonus at uh, the second player's fourth turn uh, if the moving objective... Uh, is closer to their opponent's board edge than their opponent's is um, from theirs. Uh, so if they're both equal distance, they both travel the same distance, then no points are scored. Uh, but if one is closer than the other, uh, then points are scored. And it is only, you only ever score this once per game. Um, so once you, once you get it closer, um, you, you score it, and then you're not able to get another three from it. Uh, but it's a pretty significant uh, ability uh, within the within the confines of the rules here. Uh, but I, I think folks are going to be tripped up a bit on Wolves at, Wolves at Their Hills. So we'll see how that one goes um, long term from a competitive standpoint. I, 
I'm not the hugest fan of everything it has going on in it. Uh, from the extracurricular part, from the you know the scenery element placement, that's cool. Uh, I'm I'm pretty cool with the uh, you know having the two, whichever one's further apart. Um, you know, everyone's closer to the opponent's edges uh, gets a point or gets three points. I, I like that type of burst scoring um, at a dictated turn. It's just a little different. Um, so it's something to keep in mind. Payload uh, is a huge change in the game. And I, I like everything that's going on here. Uh, it introduces um, asymmetrical objectives. So the second player is going to have an objective on their side of the table that player one does not. Um, another big change, and this is across the entirety of the, of the packet, um, is the deployment zones have changed. Player one has a six inch deployment zone now. Player two has an 11 inch deployment zone. Um, so that is a significant change that I think aids uh, second player advantage. Um, being fairly significant. Additionally, the asymmetrical scoring elements are on player two sides only. Um, so that is something that is also a significant um, potential scenario advantage. Uh, it's something to something to think about and consider as, as you're playing um, through the packet. Payload is, is super interesting because the 50 millimeters move. Uh, they move a little bit further if you're able to control uh, a 40 or a 30 um, and when they get within two of your opponent's uh, objective terrain piece uh, they blow it up and then you score um, five points yeah you score five points um, which is a huge burst scoring in uh, in this game uh, because you have to be win by three on your opponent's turn um, so going up by five in a turn for a singular action uh, while simultaneously removing uh, one of their scoring elements uh, is a pretty significant swing in points um, for the turn. So that, that is something where opponents going to have an ability to react to it, but it, it may be uh, if they can't blow up yours that, that following turn, it's going to be very hard for them to, to get... Uh, to keep that scoring within three. Um, so I like this one a lot. I, I think it really rewards uh, going for it on scenario quite a bit because you have a, a mechanism to kind of force uh, a large differential uh, beyond attrition. Um, two fronts may be my favorite item in the packet. Uh, it's super, super simple. Just across from each other on, on either side are uh, 50 mils. 240 mils, and then the second player gets uh, basically in the center of the table, uh, or just behind the center of the table, a 30 millimeter objective. Um, you get one point for controlling any of the objectives, but if you control two of any type, I'm sorry, two of the same type, so let's say you control both 50s or both 40s, in that instance, you would score one for each of the 50s, and then you'd score a bonus two points. Um, so again, really rewards you for going all out on um, a player side, or going all out on an objective side to, to really gain a scenario advantage. 
um, that can help overcome an, an attritional advantage that you would give up uh, by going for the scenario. So I, I, I like this one quite a bit. I, I, these are the type of scenarios I'd love to see more of going forward uh, as they continue to refine a design. Like like two fronts is, is a, a great combination of, okay, I can play this a couple of different ways. If I go all out on scenario, I do create a mechanism where it's going to be very difficult for my opponent to to uh, come back over the top, but they have a chance to. So, yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. Um, invasion. Invasion is an interesting one. Um, because Invasion, you have major swings of where uh, the objective can be. Uh, the movement on the objective goes to five, uh, which is pretty significant. Um, and it's it's multiple objectives. Uh, provided you've secured them, you get to move them five inches, uh, which is pretty pretty good advantage. Uh, anything that you did not secure, you're going to move three. So you really have a, a moving battlefield in this, which is very, very interesting. Uh, additionally, if you were able to get um, one of your opponent's objectives within their own deployment zone, or within your own deployment zone, uh, you score five points. And that's a one-time thing. So again, I'm a big fan of burst objectives, um, which is definitely what this this is. Uh, that just just makes the game more interesting. It lets it not be a, a pure attrition fest. Big fan, big fan of this. Uh, but I definitely think you want to go second in this packet. Uh, I think that's that's what you're you're aiming to do. Uh, I think you want to build your list now in a way that is is flexible. Uh, I think flexibility is going to be huge in this particular packet. Uh, I think assassination is very huge in this packet uh, for a variety of reasons, not just on wolves, but also on wolves. You need to, to build with that in mind, uh, at least in your pairing. Um, so you gotta you got to take that into account. Really a fan of SR2024. I think it's trying a lot of interesting things. I think there's some things that, that missed the mark on. Um, but they're... In something that's this much of a radical departure from what we're used to, uh, I'm happy with it. I, I think there's going to be tweaks. There's always tweaks. I, I've never been fully in love with a, a steamroller packet. They all have their quirks and their, and their bits. and It's onesie-twosie things on... Uh, on specific missions, it's the same thing here. Uh, but I, I'm excited to get uh, playing with this more, um, get some reports up on the channel. Those will be coming shortly. Um, so more content coming in the new year, uh, but looking forward to it. Uh, so have a great one. And uh, remember, uh, if, uh, remember, there should always be tyrants on the field.